Hey guys, what's up? It is week uh, 83, I think we're at. I got some reviews for you. I'm going to draw for the Patreon contest, uh, the Patreon contest, and uh, introduce a new contest. Um, but let's hop right in this. Let's start with the, I believe, early 80s. Um, is it 83 or I'm not 100%? 81, made in 80, released in 81, Bloody Birthday by uh, the director Ed Hunt. You guys should know Ed Hunt's name if you watch the show from uh, the movie VHS Voyage I did from The Brain, which I love. Um, Ed Hunt had done a couple other movies as well, sci-fi, horror stuff. Um, and it, he's kind of an interesting guy because he's making Canadian <laughs> He's an American making Canadian movies. But regardless, Bloody Birthday, it's definitely one of the killer kids' movies. Uh, it takes inspiration from Halloween and Village of the Dam. We have these three kids that are born on a, a, a lunar eclipse. I believe it is, and uh, there's something with the horoscopes in this movie that uh, they don't necessarily get a conscience because of it. They're all born on the same day. They all become best friends, and it's about 10 years later. They're about 10 years old, and it's kind of going around these kids' birthday parties. What we realize is these kids are all sociopaths. They share, or psychopaths, really. They share no conscience, and they all work together. They kind of, their main focus is this girl who um, babysits some of them and her um, little brother. Their parents are out of town, and they start to terrorize them. Uh, they pick people off. It, it's uh, fairly... Um, a silly movie, but uh, the lead kids, the bad kids, are actually pretty good. They're believable. I think they're uh, some of the stronger kid actors I've seen when it comes to this thing. There's a scene that's right out of John Carpenter's playbook here where these two are walking down the street, uh, two girls, uh, and they're talking about guys and just their life in general, and it feels so much like Halloween, the scene where uh, Laurie Strode and her friends, uh, the PJ Souls character and the other one, are walking down the street. It is uh, directly like that. It, it, this is a lot like that. And it's funny because it's a killer kids movie, and it feels kind of like a slasher movie in ways, but and not necessarily a killer kids movie. Uh, the movie has some perversity. Uh, one of the kids is a peeping Tom. One of the girls actually charges a quarter for them to look at her older sister, other kids to look through a hole in the wall, which is really perverse. The kids have, uh, you know, their own ways of killing and um, manipulation, which works pretty well. All in all, it's a solid movie. I enjoyed it. Um, the features on here included um, a commentary uh, and then an appreciation with, um, oh, geez, Chris Alexander, who used to write for Fangoria, talking about, you know, uh, killer kids movies and whatnot. I thought that was interesting. There's also some interviews with the cast and crew on here. Um, I would say that the standout in here is probably the little kids are, are fairly good, and it has a pretty decent amount of nudity and uh, some memorable set pieces, especially in the junkyard. It's a solid uh, killer kids movie that has a nice setup that's reminiscent of Village of the Damned and uh, um, the shot kind of in the style of Halloween. Uh, the idea is completely bonkers and of course they shoehorn this character in here, this girl who's obsessed with horoscopes so she can tie in that the, the moon was blocking the sun or something like that so these kids didn't get a conscience because your personality comes from that, the horoscope. Um, it's a little bit of sci-fi element in there that is kind of silly but I think that's probably what we're drawn uh, Ed Hunt to do this movie because the sci-fi elements are not. I prefer the brain but I think this one's worth checking out and uh, I think it's fairly fun, and there's some uh, there's some decent kills in here, some memorable faces. Jose Ferreira is in this, which is crazy, um, and the body count's decent, and it leaves it open for possible more bloody birthdays. Unfortunately, we didn't get another one, but it's pretty decent. Uh, for people that want to hear ratings, I'm probably coming in at like a six, six and a half on the, out of ten on this one. Um, I enjoy it. It's pretty cool, and it has a nice release. It looks really good, and I never got a chance to watch the Severn Blu-ray, so I don't know if it's an upgrade, but I think they did get a chance to port over some of the features on here. I'm 
I'm pretty sure because some of the features were archival and there is some new stuff shot for this too so it's a brand new uh, 2k scan a brand new audio commentary and there's an even there's a second audio commentary which I completely forgot about from the guys from hysteria continues the slasher podcast so that's pretty cool so if you like the movie they did a good job with it and I think it's fairly solid 80s horror movie um, and there's not that you know a lot of the killer kids movies are pretty lousy this one isn't one of them it's pretty pretty decent pretty pretty very watchable 1970 three children were born during a total eclipse of the sun now 10 years later they share a terrible compulsion to kill and no one can stop them if they decide they don't like you watch out the children will stop at nothing to get a deadly murder weapon And anyone can be their victim. No one is safe. Not even their families can escape. Children shouldn't play with sharp objects. They hate their babysitter and her little brother. And the teachers at school are so mean. No matter where you run, they'll find you. There's no escape. Bloody birthday. A terrifying journey into the bazaar. Will you get out alive? Okay, the next ones are the De Niro and De Palma Early Films Collection from Arrow. I believe this was released over in the UK, and it just finally got a release here. My hair is looking like a wild man. Uh, but regardless, um, these are strange releases. This includes three movies. I'll start off with the first one. The first one is going to be, I'll do The Wedding Party because it's chronologically ordered. I think that was the first one. Or it was actually shot first. Uh, the Wedding Party, um, this is this is an odd movie, man. It is by Brian De Palma, which this is one of his first films. It was never, it wasn't completed until years later. So I think this started being shot in the early 60s and was completed uh, later on. But it has uh, Robert De Niro, of course, and uh, uh, William Finley from uh, Phantom of Paradise and Eaten Alive. But the lead in this movie never went on to do anything else. There's also some other familiar faces in here. And this is definitely kind of like experimental. Like I said, it's black and white. It's about a wedding party. We have um, these guy and these two friends going into this... Um, Big mansion where all these on an, on an isolated island where this guy's entire family, this woman he's going to marry, his entire family is there. It's it's riddled with a bunch of strange characters, old women, the preacher, um, and they seem very outdated. And he starts to get cold feet and he tries to escape. Um, it's a weird movie. Um, uh, there's minimal coverage in all three of these, especially the first two, greetings and wedding party. Minimal coverage. It doesn't cut that much. Uh, the scenes go on way too long. And uh, it's almost just a bizarre kind of weird experience, to be honest. And it's definitely playing with like time speed and trying to be comedic and at times with this. 
I don't personally like this uh, too much, to be honest. It, it's kind of dull, kind of boring, but it's interesting to see Brian De Palma's earlier stuff. And uh, the opening of the movie has a lot of this weird kind of ADR. It's not like, oh, we didn't get this. It's done on purpose where we're going all over these characters and it doesn't sync up and they're talking. And it, it may it's supposed to be maybe like this big like hit to the face to meet all these characters and whatnot. Uh, I, I do think the lead's fairly decent. I'm surprised he never went on to do anything else. Um, but it, it's one of these movies that um, it, it wasn't really widely out there and I, I can see why because it's not like a, a hidden gem to be honest it's almost like just a curious piece it looks pretty good I mean it's shot and fairly well but um, like I said it's minimal coverage it doesn't do anything that really blows my socks off I can tell it's an early film by I I, I don't even really see sparks of genius because I, I'm not like um, I like De Palma but I'm not like obsessed with him like um, like a Romero or Peckinpah it's not somebody I pay super close attention to so I can't see some of the stuff in there but it is interesting to see Robert's and uh, William Finley so young acting in this one. Um, the next one is uh, the um, greetings. And uh, it's in the most interesting thing about this is there's a commentary on here and there's also an interview with the producer on here. I like seeing that stuff. And uh, greetings interested me because they say greetings, the title of the movie means that is the letter you get when you're um, basically being drafted to Vietnam. It says greetings and that's the first thing it says and you go on to read that you've been drafted. Um this one is fairly interesting. Um, I don't particularly like this one either, to be honest, which is very strange for me to say. But like I said, they're interesting to watch, and you're going to be a better film fan for seeing them. Um, Greetings also has Robert De Niro and Garrett Graham, uh, which is really great to see. Um, these It's fun because Garrett Graham and like William Finley, who I mentioned in the previous film, go on to be in um, you know a lot of De Palma movies. But it's got De Niro and Garrett Graham. And uh, this is a strange, strange stuff, strange movie, late 60s, uh, New York, um, uh, the scenes go on way too long, everything is minimal coverage, there is some funny moments that do uh, kind of work, and the whole movie is them basically trying to get out of Vietnam, and they go to their uh, meetings, and they do all these screwed up things to get out of it, and uh, like the scene in Big Wednesday by John Milius, which I think does it, it, it's just one scene in that movie, I think it does it well, and I think it's capsulated better, and it's better acted even in that scene, and I think it's much better in Big Wednesday than this entire movie, but this predates Big Wednesday by, uh, I think, quite a bit of time, at least a few years, so... um there's other things in here that are completely outdated. Like there's lots of uh, like kind of gay jokes in here and you expect that stuff to be completely outdated. And it's not, it's not offensive. It's just like, wow, man, what a different time. What a different time indeed. And a lot of the, you know, racial tensions in here. And they talk about trying to be an extreme, like right, uh, alt right kind of person to get out of being in the military and saying, being like hateful and racist and uh, things like that. And, you know, that's kind of strange, you know, that stuff will always be prevalent in society and just uh, kind of, uh, you know, definitely push some people's bodies but like I said that was kind of interesting in that aspect and, and, and they go on with De Niro to go to Vietnam War and they, they say they, they want and, and there's also a Kennedy assassination thing and computer dating it's strange how this movie came to be the producer says they basically took three things they took the voyeur element because De Palma was a real life kind of voyeuristic kind of guy they took the um, a Kennedy assassination obsession because the producer was obsessed with it and they took this online dating thing that they saw and they took these three characters and basically that was going to be their story so we have De Niro setting up these things to try to spy on people and be a voyeur and and whatnot and we have Garrett Graham being obsessed with the JFK assassination and he has a nice scene with um, Bennings from The Thing in here which is nice to see which is kind of funny. Bennings looks way better with a mustache. He looks way better in The Thing with a goatee than he does in this. He looks very scary um, and uh, that's a weird comedic element to it and the online dating manages to have some nudity in here which is pretty explicit for the time. Um, it, it's um, 
I like seeing New York, but I don't particularly see the, the movie as being like a strong film at all. But De Niro does shine a little bit in here, and Garrett Graham is kind of funny. Um, but I don't love the movie, to be honest. Like I said, it's more of a curious kind of deal here. Here I am. I want everybody to be nice to Charlie tonight. I want everyone to be nice to Charlie. Charlie is a, my best friend. Listen, yes, I can crack this case. Of course I can crack this case. Five years, I, what do you think I've been doing for five years? Damage beyond repair. Yes, and yes, the car yes, burst into, into flames and she was burnt to a crisp. You come into one of these theaters, you do not go into the men's room. You understand? You got yeah. that straight? That's one of the laws. Garfield um, frequently played this kind of uh, voluble, vaguely creepy type. Going to the, this lurid world he fantasizes everybody has that he or even the public can peep into and get off on. We'd like to use your apartment and they would say, okay, how much? <laughs> and we would say, how about nothing? And we would negotiate up from there, you know? Tragedy is a, it's a funny thing. Mr. Banner, can I just... Don't Mr. Banner me. You're getting me nervous, there you Mr. Go. Right Banner, there. Mr. Banner. All right, now. Call me you Joe. You look in that window. What? Just what to do. And I owe it all to you. What are you protesting? Let me see a permit. You don't need a permit? What do you mean? What's that? You get the war in Vietnam? Let me tell you something, son. You ever been in Vietnam? Well, I have, and I know what it's like. Well, yeah, you know. Now, what are you, two years old? You've been in the Army? You're up in the Army. High school? What? What'd you say, young lady? Make love, not war? Listen, I make love very well. What do you know about love? What do you know about war? The final movie, Hi Mom, is definitely the strongest of the bunch, and this is kind of a sequel to um, uh, Greetings, and uh, they wanted to call it Son of Greetings, as we learned from the producer, which is kind of funny, you know, it's kind of a take on, like, the Son of Blob and stuff like that, which Garrett Graham was in, too, and Garrett Graham is in this movie playing a different character. Um, De Niro stars in this playing the same character, and it continues that voyeuristic um, story, and he's a Vietnam vet coming back from the war, and he's all messed up, which predates Taxi Driver, which is also kind of interesting, although I don't feel... This one is is weird because listening to like the producer talk and and stuff about the movie, they're like, this is like we're trying to show, not trying, we are showing that this guy is you know from a war and he comes back and he's all messed up and he gets you know he get turns into an extremist, uh, almost a, a terrorist, and it, it's so weird and uh, it doesn't always focus on De Niro and it drops storylines like that and it comes back to it and it almost plays like these little little side stories in here, or, like little side stories of their own completely. Uh, De Niro has some uh, some good moments and there's. This moment where he talks to this porn producer and their back and forth is very funny. It feels improv. In fact, of greetings feels very improv as well. And this stuff feels improv and it, it works perfectly with De Niro between that guy. It's very natural. It's very funny and it works very very well. Um, this is you get to see this one's most interesting because you see De Niro as like the actor we know him now or the actor we know him from the seventies and eighties. This is very De Niro. This is like him like creating himself. It feels like a De Niro role. It feels like real Robert De Niro. Like the other ones are way too early. To tell but uh 
this movie almost comes to a, a dead stop and it goes into this a movie within a movie element of this um, extremist uh, black uh, kind of Panthers um, group and um, it, it's so weird because this whole scene is really dark and it, it, it's definitely inspired other things but it, it's really bothersome in a lot of ways and it makes you kind of um, you know sick I, I, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing to be honest um, but the movie is just to me, it never comes together fully as um, its ideas. It, it, it's like I said, it, its sums are better than its whole. Like all the ideas there are interesting, but they never come together and make it work for me. I don't know. I know other people don't agree with me because this movie has kind of a following, I believe, but I just don't ever think it comes together. And the whole terrorist thing, it just doesn't seem like De Niro's character was ever dived into the psychology where you see that progression. It's just like, or maybe that's what they're trying to say, that he's just there, there, there. He just jumps all over the place and he doesn't really have anywhere where he belongs, so he just adapts to this stuff so quickly. I'm not sure what it is, but it's an interesting movie to watch and I don't, I don't dislike it. I forgot to give ratings on um, the wedding party, but the wedding party for me is like a four, and so is uh, greetings is probably like a four. This one I would put it like a five and a half, a six. I did kind of enjoy it, and I think it's interesting, and I do uh, like it and stuff. They they all look pretty good. This one by far looks the best. This is shot in thirty five, I believe. So was um, greetings, but uh, they did a nice job cleaning it up. And like I said, Hi Mom is worth the watch for sure. I think you can get away without watching greetings, but I I would recommend checking out Hi Mom. It's definitely an interesting movie but uh and if you're a De Niro fan it, it's even more interesting and like the whole voyeuristic thing and there's lots of funny things in here where he's timing things so he can film a porno film a sex scene in a voyeuristic way from his window and he has to time the stuff and De Niro was always perfect at making um playing a creep he's like a legit creep but somehow he's interesting and you like him and he's definitely a creep in this he's a creep and taxi driver but you like him he's a, a bad guy in Goodfellas and Casino but he's interesting and he's a real creep and once about a time in America but somehow he he's great at being a, a creep or a villain or a, a despicable person yet pulling the audience in and he does that and you see that here and that's that's an interesting thing about this one I think they'll be blowing them up faster than they can build them. Make love not warless, and I make love very well. This is for, yes, a massage of the, as you see on the box. You see? Oh. For those hard to get at places. Them. I have I have all the photographs, I have all the film, the 8mm film, and then I've got this telescope, you see, and I do this, and it, it's what I call peep art. You, bet you don't have, have a lens. Go. You see that cleavage? Huh? Yeah. Where are you going to get that? You don't get that in a Fellini film. You come into one of these theaters, you do not go into the men's room. Now be gentle with me. Oh, I, I will, Judy, but not now. We've both had a... A very exhausting evening, and we're both drained, and... Well, when? Would you wait about 25 minutes? You are a pillar in the system that is oppressing the black people and all the poor people in the world, no matter what color they are. I don't know what I'm talking about. Avon Street! Avon Street! Isn't that great? You know, tragedy is a 
It's a funny thing. Okay, guys, the next one is from Mill Creek, and this is uh, John McTiernan's Last Action Hero. They sent this to review, and, I, you know, I haven't seen Last Action Hero in a long time. I remember being, like, lukewarm on it, but I was very, very young, and I knew that, like, later on when I thought about it, like, as an adult, I was like, you know what, that was way ahead of its time. It was much more clever than I ever thought it was, and I, I just really was looking forward to revisiting it. I believe it was made in 93, which is a year that almost every movie that I saw growing up I enjoyed. I think Tombstone was from that time, and and stuff like that, almost everything. Uh, um, what is the other one I was thinking of? I can't think off the top of my head. But regardless, the lax action hero. Let me get this off my chest first. I think it looks really good uh, on Blu-ray. It's bare bones. No subtitles even, but uh, yeah. I'll go over this in Mill Creek every time, but it, it's got a good price point. Um, I am a world's largest Arnold Schwarzenegger fan when it comes to his older stuff. You know, I haven't got a chance to check out too much of his newer stuff, but I love Arnold. He's an idol of mine. Um, I've always enjoyed him. I've always thought he had screen presence and charisma that was unmatched. Um, I thought he, he's always been my favorite action hero. Saying that, um, I love that this is such a meta movie. And, you know, being meta wasn't um, always the thing it is today. You know, like, everybody's like, scream, 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 scream. Well, what about Last Action Hero? And uh, mixing that comedy, that, like, really weird, over-the-top comedy kind of deal with action, you know, like Hudson Hawk did, was also not something that was really appreciated at the time. I mean, they had the buddy cop movies like Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours, but those were even even more grounded in reality than this, of course, and Hudson Hawk. So this movie really kind of got crapped on big time and i think it was completely unfair um this movie has a great cast i mean it has charles dance it has tom noonan it has arnold schwarzenegger it has uh bridget um uh, wilson i think is her name from uh, sonia blade from uh um emma she's in billy madison it's got robert prosky in it and then it's got uh cameos through the roof uh, rick dukeman is a cameo in here uh damon wayne john claude van damme sharon stone robert patrick danny devito it's it's one of these movies that even if you don't like it you'll appreciate all the cameos and all the little shout outs to his previous movies and you'll notice that Arnold Schwarzenegger was pretty loyal to bringing in a lot of his old cast and crew from other movies like Seth Thorson pops up in here from the Running Man Predator Conan the Barbarian, um, Professor um, uh, Taka, I can't think of his name from uh, Running Man is in here. It's just great to see all that kind of stuff if you're a big Arnie fan. And uh, this movie is a movie that shows that Arnold always had a great sense of humor that he can poke fun at himself. What we have here is a kid who receives a golden ticket um, that was supposedly belonged to Harry Houdini. He gets it from this old projector, this old projectionist that works at a movie theater that's kind of run down Robert Prosky cast very well in this and uh he is obsessed with this character this film series the jack slater film series which is arnold action series and the fourth one is coming out and he's supposed to rip this ticket and something magical is going to happen he ends up getting sucked into the movie and uh he is the character he's always there trying to tell and him and arnold pair up and there's lots of um as, as partners and he's trying to tell arnold that this is a movie and uh jack slater's character obviously jack slater doesn't believe it because he's in this movie <laughs> And he's that character. But uh, there's this giant uh, mob, mob fight, uh, war going on, and, and they get in the middle of it. And uh, crazy, zany, over-the-top action stuff ensues. There's so many funny moments that play on, you know, the tropes of action films. Shane Black wrote part of this. So Shane Black, you know, he he worked on Predator. He worked on tons of great action movies. So he's making fun of himself on top of that. So there's all these weird tropes in there like that. And it's, it's very funny. It's very genius. And it's uh, very strange and meta and weird. And 
as they say in the movie, it's the sequel. It's the fourth one in this. And and, and they say the sequel, the stakes got to be bigger. So what could be bigger? Of course, the bad guy gets the golden ticket. Um, and what what's more, could be more dangerous? He gets into the real world. So everything's real. So now we have the Jack Slayer character come into the real world and he starts to feel pain. Um, it, it surprisingly has some really emotional, touching things. And, and for a film fan, the idea of, you know, uh, being an obsessed movie kid uh, speaks to a, a movie fan, I think, and this one does speak to a movie fan. I really think it does, and uh, I really like that. It has a magical touch to filmmaking in it, and it kind of says that. And uh, it, it's a touching movie, and Arnold's never been, you know, better on his game. He's great in it. it he's very funny in it, and uh, it's just all around a great, fun little movie. The gags are great, um, and, and they they play with them, and they play with the audience, and they play with the tropes, and it's one of these things that, you know, is so prevalent in the horror movie genre, but not so much prevalent in other movies, like action films and things like that. I mean, yes, it's not a, exactly like a parody, like, a, you know, like somebody would say Airplane or Naked Gun. It, it's more just playing on the tropes, but appreciating them all at the same time. It's endearing, and uh, I would highly recommend giving last action here on another shot if you had a bad taste in your mouth in the early 90s when you saw it because i think it definitely deserves a second look a great classic comes to the screen see thy hand fair prince who said i'm fair to be or not to be not to be. Columbia Pictures is proud to present the screen's greatest action hero, Jack Slater. Slater! Don't even think it, Slater, you hear me? This is the Lieutenant Governor. Slater, here's what I need. The Governor gets here, call me. And Danny Madigan is his biggest fan. <laughs> Jack Slater 4. But tonight, a magic ticket. It's a passport to another world will get Danny closer to the action than anyone ever dreamed. Holy cow! I'm in the movie! Who the hell are you? Don't oh, shoot me! I'm Danny Madigan, I'm a kid! And you're going with him. Who is this twerk? And where is that smile on his face? I don't even know this kid. To a world that's bigger than life. This ticket is magic, and it really works. And better than real. You really believe that you're inside a movie, don't you? Yes! The bad guys are in there. I've seen it. On screen. Could I speak to the drug dealer of the house, please? Have a nice day. Have him killed. This summer, it's head-on thrills. I have killed people smarter and younger than you. Head first excitement. I hate when it happens. He's got the ticket! Now I possess power. Real power. He's going over to my world! In this world, the bad guys can win! The door must still be open! Come on! If I go. How do I get back? And it's coming at you from both sides of the screen. Where am I now? This isn't the movies anymore, Jack. Please be careful. Things were different here. Damn it, that hurt. Arnold Schwarzenegger is Jack Slater. Wow! This hero stuff has its limits. 
Jack Slater is... Everybody down! Down! The last action hero. The big ticket for 93. I'll be back. Ha! You did not gonna say that, did you? That's what you always say. I do? Okay, the next one is from Vinegar Syndrome, and it is Mausoleum. Uh, yeah, from 1983. Uh, not to be confused with the other movie called Mausoleum, a.k.a. One Dark Knight, from, also from 1983. Uh, this is one that I've always wanted to see forever. And first and foremost, I want to say this right off the bat. Um, if you missed out on the limited edition slipcover that they had on Black Friday, there is going to be a regular version coming out. So do not spend $300 million on eBay. It will be back up on the Vinegar Syndrome site to order. So there you go. Without the slipcover, but still. Uh, Mausoleum is... Is a Carrie Exorcist kind of ripoff, but it's weird and bizarre, and it's got these crypt like EC comic style opening. And the, the beginning of this movie, I was like, is this Italian? This feels really Italian. It feels really shoddy and Italian in the opening. We have this little girl, she just opens up immediately and she's crying about her mother's death at this um, cemetery over the grave with her aunt and her acting. I mean, it's not horrible acting, but to open a movie like that with just a character you don't know bawling her eyes out, like, I want my mommy, I just started laughing. I couldn't help it. It just felt so silly and stupid and the first five minutes of the movie is filled thick with atmosphere but it seems like everything's just like a hair off like the fog doesn't come in at the right second the lights are coming out of nowhere the eyes are lighting up in a strange way but i love it and and it's just like a, a for effort but it's just so weird and oh the crypt opening and all these things what you learn is that the it's 20 years after that, even though the woman looks like she's 34, 35, 40. Still looks very good, but she doesn't look 30. And she's all grown up now, and she's inherited this house, and... Uh She's uh, happy in a happy relationship, married, but then, of course, you know, something kind of stirs her awake, and, you know, you realize that her family is cursed, a nomad family is cursed, and uh, her psychiatrist um, tries to step in and help. That's the plot of the movie. What follows is she has these weird telekinetic powers, and she starts to kill people in ridiculous ways. There's lots of very funny moments in this movie. There's, like, a handyman in here that is just, like, this this sleazy handyman guy that's, a, like, a watching her and he's like oh yeah and he's always trying to like cop a feel and this character is ridiculous and there's a scene in here where it stops for like five minutes and it just shows his like daily thing what his daily routine i'm like why am i watching this handyman sharpen an axe this movie's an hour and 36 minutes i don't need to see this this is already a little i mean it's not too long but it, it could lose this and i don't know why it's done but it's just very funny and um she starts to pick people off the gore effects are done by carl buchler they look good, they're very fun, and they really are, um, you know, a, a staple of this movie. Without the gore effects, it loses a lot of points. And it also has a good amount of nudity, which also helps. Because uh, the lead is, a, she's a pretty good actress, and she's, she is naked a lot, and it's, it's, she's, she is, she looks good. Um, she's been in some other stuff as well. But um, that, those two points definitely help move this story along. Uh, like I said in the opening, there is some nice cinematography. I forgot to mention that where it goes over the uh, like then the the mausoleum. It goes over the crypt and shows them walking down a hallway and it's going over and going. And it's pretty cool. I like it. The lighting is fun and over the top and it feels very Italian, uh, um, you know, EC Comics nonsense. And I like that. Um, but um, it, it turns into like kind of like them trying to figure out what's wrong with her and 
by the end, it gets completely insane. We have all these special effects come together, and we, she's turning into a demon back and forth, and the effects on her are great. And it has some uh, a very memorable breast whore, I guess. Boob whore is the thing. Um, the only other movie I can think of, well, there's a couple boob whore things. Uh, top 10 boob whore thing list. Okay, we got Night of the Demons. We got um, uh, Necropolis. Um, and this one, right off the top of my head, boob whore. Oh, we got uh, Cannibal Ferox. Um, we got Let Sleeping Corpses Lie. Lots of damages to women's breasts or breasts turning into creatures but um isn't there something in poultry guys as well but yeah regardless there is one of the craziest breast monster moments ever made probably the craziest breast monster moment of all time but regardless mausoleum um has some good gore effects it has some fun gory bits it has enough nudity it has enough atmosphere to keep you busy the 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 acting is not great um (laughs) there's some nice set pieces the house they shoot in is beautiful but i like the lead quite a bit i think she carries the movie along with the gore effects and the nudity and um that's pretty much what you have here the ending is nonsense stupid stupid nonsense um and uh it's just it's absolutely ridiculous um but I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, uh, yeah, I would recommend checking this one out um, if, you, if you get a chance. It looks pretty good. It is a low-budget movie. Um, there's an interview with Carl Buchler on here where he talks about the effects. And uh, it's, it's short, and he's to the point, and uh, he remembers a decent amount. Uh, I like it. I would check it out. Probably six and a half on this one. Six, six and a half. Um, I did forget to mention uh, Last Action Hero was pretty high for me. Seven and a half, eight um, for the last. If you guys are counting on the ratings, I forgot to mention it. But Mausoleum, it's very fun. Um, dig it um check it out um good stuff treating your niece since she was a child. Her behavior's been normal for over 10 years now, Cora. Believe me, there's nothing wrong with Susan. What's really bothering you, Cora? Susan is starting to behave the same way her mother did before she died. Let you and I get going again. You're the only one that's going, bitch. What's wrong with my wife? She's not your wife. The woman you're living with looks like Susan. She looks exactly like your wife, but she's not your wife. Oh, my God! I can't help you now. seen you like this before i've never felt like this before okay guys we're going into the patreon picks this one is by derek bourgeois or d boogie or uh, i always mispronounce his name but derek b he picked the house that screamed from 1970 um this is a spanish movie um this is by the director of who can kill a child which is an excellent slow burn uh, spanish horror movie about killer kids probably the best killer kids horror movie i can think of um but yeah the house that screamed uh 
Okay, I had, you know, wanted to check this one out. I bought it quite some time ago, but um, it's a Spanish horror film that that takes place in a Fran- in a French boarding school for girls, but it feels very um, Italian and British and whatnot. We have a story of this girl. It feels very Italian. The setup: a uh, girl who goes to this uh, boarding school. Um, her um, she has like a family friend that brings her there and this place is run you know by a very stern lady and um all the girls are kind of mistreated in there and there's a girl that kind of runs everything and she's just cold and mean and kind of a bully and her son the mistress's son is also there played by the the young kid from uh, vampire circus and deep end which is a pretty interesting movie both i love vampire circus and deep end is pretty cool so uh, he's in this as well uh, this movie has very thick atmosphere, very like gothic like atmosphere, and uh, all the girls are, are very pretty, very nice to look at, and uh, the acting is fairly solid. I think everybody in here is um, is well acted. Um, there are some scenes in here that um, are you know not as remastered because they had to couple this print together, and it's crazy to see everything that was cut from it because this movie is not the same movie with all that cut. Um, but it, it's a very very slow burn film, and um, you got to have a lot of patience with it and i think that it is too slow for its own good to be honest but i love the location i like the actresses in the movie and uh the twist at the end of this one i think is what you know makes people remember it i think people have a very it's similar to who can kill a child the end there's an end scene in that that's just like oh my god and uh the end twist in this one is very reminiscent of certain uh popular horror films that i don't want to spoil but uh it's pretty unique and it definitely went on to probably inspire some other films that i don't want to mention without you know spoiling it but uh, it's unique um the setting is perfect um it feels sleazy it feels sexually repressed in every step of the way um with the headmaster or the mistress um the the her son the the girls in the movie but uh it's a very perverse movie there's not that many kills in it and the people who are killed you don't expect to die they don't pull any punches on who they kill um it reminds me a little bit of the movie blood and uh blood blood and lace um or is it Blood and Lace, uh, Blood and Black Lace? And it's not the Mario Bava movie. It's the other one, Blood and Lace, the weird 1971 sicky movie, PG sicky thing. But this one is an interesting movie. Like I said, great atmosphere, um, great acting, nice twist, a little too slow. But uh, I like the feel and I like the setup and everything about it. Uh, I'm coming in at like a six on this one. Uh, on the disc, it, it has an interview with one of the lead actresses. She seems very nice and she's uh, seems like a legit nice person. And I enjoyed the interview. And it also has an interview with uh, the the guy who played the boy. I don't remember his name, Mark something. But uh, his interview is also pretty good. And I've never seen an interview with that guy. So um, that, that's pretty nice to see that as well. That's the house that screamed from Scream Factory. Um be warned that some of the stuff doesn't look great, but when it looks um, when it's actual remastered stuff, it looks fairly solid. But it's an interesting movie, and I'm glad I own it because uh, I, I like a lot of the Euro horror, and I need to see a lot more Spanish stuff myself. In the house that screamed, the venomous seed of tormented desire grows to a nightmare of unspeakable horror. I must run this establishment with a firm pen. Everything seems very strange, madame. Five girls have disappeared in less than four months. We've never heard from any of these girls again. Five have died. Who will be the sixth? Ah! <laughs> 
house that screamed rated GP. Okay, the next one is another Patreon pick by Keith Voigt Jr. This is the, from the Criterion Collection, and this is Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Yep, this is the first Lars von Trier movies I've seen. I've been buying his movies, I just have never had a chance to watch it, and uh, I've never saw the Antichrist. Um, so yeah, Antichrist. This stars Willem Dafoe, and pretty much, um, I can't think of the actress's name, and that's it. There's really only two actors in the movie. Uh, this is a super strange movie, and this is one that I can't really register how I feel about it. Uh, this falls, it opens, it has a very uh, Don't Look Now style um, uh, set up here with um, a couple with the loss of a child and experiencing horrible grief and, and despair and horrible things. And that's the basic setup of the film. It opens up right off the bat with an explicit um, penetration shot. The black and white looks great. It's, a, it's shot in black and white, the opening. It looks very crisp, very well done. And it's cut together with them making love and their um, young son accidentally falling to his death right in the opening of the film. So those two like things are cut together, like love and death together. Interesting. Um, like I'm surprised that they showed the penetration shot right off the bat. I mean, in, a, in an art film made by kind of a bigger director with a bigger actor in it, it's kind of surprising. Um, that, that stuff's all shot beautifully and then we go into their life afterwards and we learn that uh, Willem Dafoe is a psychiatrist and he's worried about his wife so he, he feels he wants to dig into her psyche and be her psychiatrist which is a huge mistake I think and in general anybody would be like is that a good idea? I don't think that's a good idea because you're so close to the situation at hand but of course it is not a good idea and they end up going to this cabin where she has some um, horrible feelings towards nature and it, it's really weird what happens here there's lots of biblical allusions in here there's other things going on like man versus uh, nature and and man versus himself and all that kind of you know literary stuff but uh, we learn that um, she has a lot of problems and there's lots of violent sex with each other and Willem Dafoe is not completely all there either and the animals in the area are kind of speaking to them and being other things and it's all shot in this weird dreamlike quality where not everything is looks real there's like a fog and it looks like CGI and, it, and the whole location is just very bizarre and very strange and reality's not as it should be and on top of that um, the camera work is all a lot of it's handheld moving back and forth and it just doesn't feel like a you know it, it's such a big movie but it also at the same time has these small indie qualities about it where there's a handheld camera work going back between these two actor and actresses and stuff and panning over and a lot of it is handheld and that's kind of an interesting thing about it I don't and there's all these weird things that I don't know necessarily what it's trying to say because there's a moment in the movie where the wife they're, pretty, they're referred to as him and her she um basically says that she never finished her paper that she was writing about you know how women are always you know said to be the evil ones in these biblical books and all these like literary stuff and then she starts to believe it as it goes on and she starts to torture Willem Dafoe and, and whatnot and there's these crazy moments I don't know how to say it it's all broken up in chat it's a unique film I don't know if I like it or what I really feel about it I do think it's interesting and I do need to re-watch re it to be honest and this is a movie that Lars Van Trier made because he was going through a lot of grief and a lot of horrible things and he had to get it out of his system and you could tell it's definitely somebody working through some things it, it's I mean what's worse than losing a child I would never know how that feels because I don't have any kids and I've never lost any because I don't have any but losing someone is, is very rough I know that and and the darkness that must come with it, especially if it's a child, is, is very, um, you know, horrible. And I think that's what he's trying to show in a movie, you know, that grief and depression. Um, and I don't really necessarily know 
exactly everything that's going on here, but there is a lot of these, you know, other things and like that it's referring to. And it's just a, a wild, weird movie. And it, it does have these moments of like, that could make some people laugh. Maybe not the first time they see it. I didn't laugh, but I imagine I did laugh with the crow scene in the hole. And, but there's just moments that could be um, kind of funny in times, even though they're horrible at the same time. It's just a, a you know, sexually explicit, extreme, well-made art horror film that uh, has to be seen to be kind of understood, not even understood to understand what what kind of thing experience you're going to get. People, some people will hate this movie. This movie had moments that made me cringe, like, oh my god, I can't believe they did that. And really, in fact, the only thing I could write on Letterboxd was, oh my god, that's it. But uh, crazy movie, I can't really rate it. I can't rate this one, to be honest. Uh, but uh, weird, weird stuff. And uh, it looks pretty good, but uh, you know, I, I imagine that if this movie was like a big mainstream uh, Hollywood movie and it wasn't referred to as an art film, People would complain about the CGI kind of look to it, but it's supposed to be kind of dream quality. So, you know. Close your eyes. Tell me what you see. This was my fault. I want to die too. Stay with me. Stay with me. Thoughts distort reality. That's what fear is. I love you. Let's make a list of things you're afraid of. Where would you feel most exposed? The woods. What scares you about the woods? Everything. Is it any woods in particular? Eden. Imagine you're at Eden. Imagine you arrive at Eden through the woods. Tell me what you see. Darkness comes early down here. I heard a sound. The cry of all the things that are to die. Ground is burning. The ground is not burning. I've just been having a lot of crazy dreams. <laughs> Do you love me? Help me. Okay, the next Patreon pick was from Dustin Mills, and this is Hellboy. Um, I actually watched it streaming in HD on uh, Vudu, but this I do have this uh, director's cut set. This is just to show you guys. Uh, I never saw Hellboy. It's funny because I watched a lot of Del Toro's movies, uh, Mimic, uh, Crimson Peak, um, Devil's Backbone, Pan's Labyrinth. I watched a lot of his stuff, and I pretty much enjoyed everything he's done, um, but I didn't see Hellboy. Uh, so I watched Hellboy, and uh, what am I going to say? It's a 2004 superhero movie, and I wasn't familiar with the Hellboy story. I always liked Ron Perlman, Doug Jones, and the, you know John Hurt, and uh, the actors in the movie are nice. So I like the cast. Um, Jeffrey Tambor is very funny, but uh, this is a solid, uh, you know, superhero movie. I enjoyed it. Um, 
the uh, setup is um <laughs> this is gonna be crazy it's it's smart because the villains in it I, i'm not sure how close it is to the comic source the villains are nazis nazis are the best villains in this kind of in in like high fantasy high um action movies because Nazis are horrible, and they're always great bad guys. But they also dress very cool, so at the same time, you're like, oh, I want them to be uh, visually appealing, but also monsters and easily hateable. So it's always good to have Nazis as bad guys in your movies. It's an easy villain, and it works usually. So what we have here is Rasputin working with the Nazis. (laughs) Yes, 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 I know. Um, Trying to bring about hell on Earth through this weird, strange portal. The only thing that ends up in World War II, so these soldiers are trying to stop it, the only thing that ends up coming through is Hellboy, is what they name this little demon guy. And uh, they show him raised, um, and it's played by Ron Perlman. As, as time goes on, him and a couple other of these special, unique superheroes, I guess you call them, are in this... Um, branch of the FBI and they're only released out when they have something supernatural to deal with so that's the basic setup of this movie uh, what follows is Ron Perlman as Hellboy, um, good makeup effects um, making a lot of funny one liners and just being generally uh, full of charisma and entertaining uh, there's a love triangle kind of going on between the new agent hired to watch uh, uh, Ron Perlman and um, this uh, girl who has fire powers and you know a traumatic life so there's that going on um, John Hurt plays the father figure he does a well. He does good. Jeffrey Tambor plays the uh, FBI director. He's very funny. He has a lot of good comic moments, and he has a redeeming uh, scene that's really great with, involving a cigar with uh, Ron Perlman. Um, the movie's good at setting up uh, small little character moments for small little characters that give them some life, and I enjoyed seeing that. Uh, there's some really cool practical mix with CGI effects, especially a reanimated corpse that's a half corpse. Uh, that's really great. Um, there's good laughs, and uh, it's a popcorn movie. It, the monsters are cool. The fights are fun. Uh, there's some really good moments. Uh, no complaints here. Fairly, fairly decent when it gets emotional. Uh, I liked it. There's no, like I said, uh, Del Toro is so good at setting designs, uh, setting, doing sets. I mean, like when you look at Shape of Water, Crimson Peak, the sets are amazing. Those movies, Pan's Labyrinth, Devil's Backbone, they're always tremendous. This is no different. Uh, especially John Hurt's office looks great. Um, but I, I did enjoy Doug, Doug Jones as the Fish Man, even though he basically plays the same character in Shape of Water. But. Uh, not same character, same outfit kind of deal. But uh, I, I would recommend checking this one out. If you, if you like superhero movies or you like Del Toro movies, this is one of the better ones that there is to have. There's a little bit more going on, and Ron Perlman's perfect in the movie. Um, you know, he's great getting shoved behind makeup. I remember the Beauty and the Beast TV live-action show he was in growing up. But uh, I enjoyed it. I'm glad I got to watch it. for one, uh, And it, it's one of these movies that I've had for a long time, and I would watch, but it was going to take me 20 years. So I'm glad somebody picked it for the Patreon. Um, thanks, Dustin. Good stuff. And uh, seven, seven out of ten. Watch your hands and elbows. Pardon? <sighs> Welcome to the Bureau for Paranormal Research and Defense. There are things that go bump in the night, Agent Myers. And we are the ones who bump back. Hellboy. Well, come on in. Meet the rest of the family. Abraham Sapien. Liz Sherman. It's a beautiful name. Don't worry, Boy Scout. She'll take care of you. These freaks. They give me the creeps. Really? Every time the media gets a look at him, they come running to me. I'm running out of lies. 
If there's trouble, all us freaks have is each other. What the hell is that? Something big. In the absence of light, darkness prevails. Sixty years ago, they tried to destroy the world. They're back. Behind this door, ancient evil. Oh well, let me go in and say hi. Okay, guys, the next one is the VHS Voyage. This is Transmutations from Vestron Video, uh, directed by George Pavlo. I actually watched the DVD import called Underworld. Um, but yeah, this is by the same director of the legendary Rawhead Rex and another movie called Little Devils about little creatures. Uh, funny thing about George Pavlo, I think this was his first Transmutations. This, along with Rawhead Rex, was what made Clive Barker say, man, I am not letting anyone else direct my movies. I'm directing Hellraiser. So we can thank George Pavlo for that. But I will say that um, I don't hate Rawhead Rex. I think it's pretty enjoyable, and I like Little Devils. I think his movies actually got better as he progressed, which is not the same thing to say about a lot of indie directors or smaller directors. But Transmutations, this follows the story of... Uh, this weird group of uh, drug-addicted kind of mutants that are living underground that need this drug. And there's this woman that is kidnapped by them that has special powers. She doesn't, like, mutate because of the drug, and she can bring in dream things. Dalhem Elliott is making the drugs, and we have this mob boss who's somehow tied in with him. So he makes this guy that was in love with the girl who used to work for him go down and try to find her and rescue her. But there's some twists and turns. That's the plot of the movie. It's an English film, and I will say this. You know, when a movie's dull, it's bad enough. I like a lot of English films, but when an English film is dull, it is torture. And this movie is dull. It is dull. It is a dull film. I'm sorry to say that. Transmutations is dull. The lead in the movie is an older guy, and he has, like, red stripes to his hair. And right away, I was like, what's going on here? Is this supposed to be, like, is he, like, supposed to have this punk side to him, but it's not, like, or he used to have a wild side. I know he's a recovering drug addict. Regardless, it doesn't look right. He doesn't look like the guy would have it. He doesn't play like he'd have it. He's a very bland uh, character. I'm not saying he's a bad actor. It's just a very, very poor character. Um... The concept is great. I would love that, you know, I would say that Nightbreed and Ozone um, by J.R. Walter kind of mix this. This is like a mix of those concepts. These, those are both made after this, but that's like the mix, and, and it should be great, but it's not really great. There's some okay effects on the monsters. I guess I won't say monsters, mutated people. But uh, besides that, there's not much going for it. There's some action at the end. Some of it's not shot particularly well because there's moments where, like, the mutants will be shooting back and the guys are standing, the bad guys are standing out in the street shooting at them and the mutants are like hidden behind stuff and they'll get shot and die. But then when the guys on the street aren't getting hit, even though they have low ground and they're not hiding behind anything, I know it's a movie, but come on, just have a hide behind something for Christ's sakes. Um, just stuff like that. 
the acting at certain places is rough. Um, I just don't particularly care for the movie. It's very dull. It's very boring. I like the concept. Um, I'm coming at like a four out of ten on here. Um, I don't. I, maybe it would look better. I, there is a the VHS cover is amazing, by the way, and there is an extended cut which is on that DVD. It didn't look particularly good. I didn't know it was there, and it, it, I already had trouble getting through the hour and twenty five minute version. So I was like, an hour and thirty six minute version? No, no, no transmutations. No more of that. Um, but like I said, there's some moments that I kind of enjoyed and the ending has some cool stuff. Delham Elliott's okay in it. And, uh, he, he's kind of a weird guy in real life. So it, his weirdness kind of translates to the screen. Um, it's just, it, the mob aspect is okay as well. It just could have been so much better. Maybe budget constraints held him back. Maybe the characters held him back. Maybe the script held him back. It's just kind of a boring doll movie with a great concept that just falls very flat. And, uh, it's not worth checking out. I don't think so. That's transmutations. Okay, guys, we have the Pick a Movie by Nick Mua, and he wanted me to do Shallow Ground or Retreat. I chose to do Retreat. This has Cillian Murphy and Jamie Bell in it. Uh, I had not seen this one, but I had it sitting around, so I figured, why not? Let's go with that one. I had Shallow Ground actually sitting around as well, but this was, made, I think, made in 2006. This um, follows the story of a couple who are definitely having some troubled relationships. They decide to go to an isolated house that they had something happen to and stay. Um, what happens is this uh, strange guy shows up. Well, he passes out uh, a little bit off from their house they bring him in they fix him up and he decides to tell Cillian Murphy that um there's a strange disease going around that's why you can't get a hold of anyone that's why no one else has been around and 
it's killing everyone and we need to board up this house before it's too late. That's what Jamie Bell tells them. What happens is this strange, the, the um, husband and wife were already having trouble. And now that he comes in, it starts this weird triangle where Jamie Bell starts to manipulate the two of them and try to turn them against each other. But they also have a, you know, a strong relationship. How strong is their bond? And Jamie Bell is definitely manipulating them. And you don't know to what to believe. Do you know right off the bat they're playing with it? Is Jamie Bell lying? Is this actually happening? Is, um, is what he's saying the truth? And I, I kind of like that to a certain extent. Like uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane has that with John Goodman. You're like, is John Goodman crazy? Is he telling the truth or is he crazy and telling the truth? And that has that aspect going here too. Uh, Cillian Murphy's always been a good actor. I think he's pretty good. Jamie Bell's solid in this too. He's very sadistic. The, the actress in here, she's okay, Thaddy Newton. But um, uh, the characters in general are not particularly likable. None of them are likable. The relationship between uh, Silly Murphy and his wife, they, they just don't treat each other uh, well enough to ever, ever make you like any of them. Does that make any sense? Um, and when you find out what was bothering them, it's just it's like, I don't think that's that strong of a thing compared to the other things that actually had, you know, could have happened to them. I, I know that they lost something in their life and that, that part is strong. But the, the thing that the big reveal is like, who gives a shit at this point? After all you've been through, who cares if that's what happened, to be honest. Uh, but I, that, uh, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I don't love it. Um, I, I'm coming at like a five and a half out of 10, maybe a six. I, I think it's worth your time. I think it has some good suspenseful moments. I think it has some good atmosphere and uh, silly Murphy's always nice to watch. He's always I always enjoy him. So there's that going on. Is it Killian or Cillian? I always call them Cillian. And then I, I feel like somebody corrected me on Killian, but then I've heard other people say Cillian. So what is it, Killian or Cillian? But regardless, um, it, it, it's worth checking out if if you like that kind of thing. And the end twist and stuff. There's a couple twists in here which I thought were pretty cool, honestly. But um, it's a it's a decent movie, um, and I know it doesn't get a lot of uh, respect, but it, it doesn't deserve to be treated like crap because it's not crap. It's just you know, it's either going to be your thing or it's not going to be your thing. You having a few days away from the wee ones, are you? Just a bit of peace and quiet, really. You going to the right place for that, boy? We love this island, you know. We've had some good times here. Martin, there's someone here. I just saw them. Doug, if you can hear us, this is Marna Kate. We need to report an in-demand. So it's just the two of you on the island. I can tell you something. There's been an outbreak. A global pandemic. It's failing and it's spreading rapidly. This is crazy. I'm not sticking with Our best defense is to make this place safe. Why have you barricaded the door? Everything we do here is to minimize the risk. Not just of the virus, but of people trying to escape it. I have no idea what's actually going on out there. They'll be back. We have to be on our guard from now on. All that I know is that for the moment, we are stuck in this island. I want to go home. There's nothing out there for you anymore. Feet after me. We aren't going anywhere. We don't care what's out there. We don't want to die here. Who's got the disease? There is no disease. We know what you are. He's been outside to breathe the air when I told him not to. You're a liar. Stop that. Okay, guys, let's go into the pick-a-movie. 
Once we're through with this bag and the new bag, we're done with those. But here we go. Also, uh, Raymond Pierce never got back to me. If you don't get back to me, it's going to be game over. I'll have to skip you and go to the next guy. Uh, we got um, Andrew Robertson. So let me know uh, what you want me to watch. And now we're going to go into um, the uh, Patreon drawing uh, for patrons. So I think we had 14 eligible people for the Blu-ray of The Vinegar Syndrome of Good uh, Luck, Miss Wyckoff. So I'm going to draw for you. I'm going to draw two names. The first name is the guy, the winner. But if they don't want it or they already have it or they want me to pass it on, I'm going to draw the second name for the person. So the first one is... I thought I got... You guys thought mine might be looking... Uh, Brandon Salkill. So if you want this, Brandon, buddy, let me know. Good luck, uh, Miss Wyckoff. But if you're not interested, let me draw the second name out of here. Keith White Jr. So, two friends of mine. I'm going to toss these back in here. Brandon, you won. Good luck, Miss Wyckoff. So, I do have your uh, your um, address, so I'll get it to you ASAP. Um, now let's go into the Q&A. We have some questions here. Nick Mua. Sometimes it takes years for a sequel slash follow-up to get made. Is that good or bad? Can too much time ha uh, have gone by for a sequel to still be relevant? Some people feel that Twin Peaks Season 3 took too long to hit screens and was too weird. Um, yeah, I do think um, too much time can go by. Like, um, let me think. Sometimes they'll like make a sequel for something or a follow up, and I'm just completely not interested at that point. Like uh, we're, may I, I, I'm trying to think. Like Top Gun, I, I was never a big Top Gun fan, but I have zero interest in seeing the the redo or the follow up to Top Gun. Zero interest. Blade Runner even, and I like Blade Runner. Didn't have much interest in seeing that one. It's just strange. I think that you know sometimes they miss their mark. Sometimes they miss their time. I do think a lot of time can hurt it. Uh, sometimes, or sometimes it can be placed perfectly, and for some reason people want to see it again. But uh, for me, it never really helped. Who's better, Hannibal Lecter, Brian Cox, or Anthony Hopkins? Are they both good in their own way? You know what? I've never um, actually seen uh, Manhunter, so I can't answer that. But I know Anthony Hopkins is a great actor, and so is Brian Cox. So, and I know Anthony Hopkins as Hannibal Lecter is great. Uh, I know you adore the series, but do you feel that George Romero's dead series ever jumped the shark? Jump the zombie shark. Uh, yeah, I mean, not with the first three. I think the first three are pretty perfect. Um, even Land of the Dead is totally underrated and very fun. But I do think they could jump the shark at some of the uh, later ones. Um, uh, spoiler alert, Survival of the Dead, when um, they do the whole... T I hate the twin thing. If they're not actually twins, don't make twins. Especially halfway through that, I thought that was just lazy. Jump the shark kind of moment. Um, and Diary... Not Diary. Um, Diary of the Dead, the Amish guy. Yes, like... He's a fun character, but then he's like comes in throwing bombs or homemade bombs. It's like that was just too silly for the movie. Um, and uh, Survival of the Dead, where's the moment I'm trying to think of? Oh, there's a moment in the movie where it becomes like the only emotional scene in the movie where like this character's dying, and then all of a sudden, it, like two seconds after, it turns into a comedy beat. And it's like, man, why'd you ruin the only fucking emotional scene you had in that movie with that? I don't know. I have a lot of things to say about Land of the Dead. I meant Survival of the Dead, but I, I'd be, as far as the first three are concerned, I love them all. No problems whatsoever. Um, when people would say maybe in Dawn of the Dead, when the pies, I can't say I've jumped the shark. Nope. Love it. Love it. Love all of it. Um, maybe I'm just too much close to those with nostalgia. Growing up, I watched those movies a million times and I love land too. And I don't think land jumped the shark at all either. I mean, some of the characters were a little poorly written in land, but I mean, just not poorly written, just way too one dimensional, but that's okay. 
Uh, Peter Engelin, if you could work with three great Hollywood directors, who would they be? Um, we're going to go with some dead ones. Sam Peckinpah. Love to work with Peckinpah. Love to work George Romero because he's my favorite. Um, and Quentin Tarantino because I think that he, he knows how to use people very well. And I think that he'd make any actor look good. I've never seen an actor look bad in a Tarantino movie. You know what I mean? Even actors that I considered not that great. Like, I don't want to say this, but like Don Johnson was never in anything that really like, well, I was like, oh, Don Johnson. Now that's a great actor. I never like really thought he was. And then like, I, I've seen him in some stuff now where I'm like, no, John, Don, Don Johnson's killing it. And, but when I saw him in Django Unchained, I was like, he's great in this. And then like, I saw him pop up in like cold in July and brought in cell block 99. I was like, no, Dan, this guy can act. And he, it just needs, it's never him. It's the problem. Like that's, it's a funny thing. Most actors and actresses is not really them. It's the, the writing or the directing or editing that makes them look like crap. And uh, I just was impressed with him. And I think that Tarantino can use his actors well. And I mean, who wouldn't want to be in a Peckinpah movie? And George Romero is just my absolute favorite. So yeah, George Romero, Peckinpah, and uh, Quentin Tarantino. Okay, now we have the old answers. Um, my old answers was Celebrity Deathmatch, people you want to see fight to the death. And James Grimmer said, seeing Charles Bronson go up against v Lee Van Cleef would make a good fight. That would have been cool. Especially like Barquero, uh, Lee Van Cleef. That would be cool. I think Bronson would work him over, but you know, uh, uh, Lee Van Cleef had the height on him. I'm sure of it. Um, uh, new questions. Uh, the old question was by Tempo Tapas. He asked, um, "What uh, what two actors you'd like to see work in a movie together?" So here we go. Uh, James Grimmer has. I'm curious to see Brad Dorif and Lance Hendrickson in a movie together because it'd be interesting to see how they play off each other. I, I looked it up to see if they were in some movies together. They because I figured they would be. They were in a couple, but I don't know if they share screen time. They were in Color of the Night with Bruce Willis. I was like, I want to watch that now. And then we have Nick Mua, two top thespians who should act together. Tony Todd and Sir Christopher Lee. The music of their combined voices alone would have been worth the watch. Yeah, that would have been cool. There'd be a lot of serenading, serenading going on with those. Uh, then he has Zoe uh, Zar, uh, Zeldana from Star Trek slash Avengers and Helen Mirren, two dames at the top of their game, movie magic. Uh, Peek and Boo, he has the question of the week. I would like to see James Cagney and uh, Bido uh, Takashi Katano doing either a comedy or a gangster flick. That would be very weird. Or since you reviewed The Night Comes For Us, need to see that one. Um, he has the actor who plays in that, the lead. I, I'm not going to embarrass myself any further and pronounce his name. And Bruce Lee teaming up against some nasty criminals. That would be pretty cool. Then he has uh, William Wolford says, can't happen now, but John Wayne and Kurt Russell would have been classic. Kurt Russell as John Wayne's son would have been excellent. But John Wayne always uses real kids as his kids in his movies. Then we have Peter Engelin, uh, Robert De Niro, and Gary Ullman, of course, directed by a great director. That would be very cool. I think what's next are we going to go into? Um, oh, we're going to do the new question of the week. Um, this is a Patreon thing that if you certainly donate to a certain uh, um, pay, uh, you know, tier, you get uh, to ask the audience a question. And this is by Matt Brown. He wants to know what would, they, uh, what would you guys consider as some of the most iconic scenes in a film? What's the most iconic scenes in a film for you? Like whether it's the let's go walk in the wild bunch or, you know, uh, something from just so, so many iconic scenes, whether it's, you know, Willem Dafoe holding his arms up in platoon, just stuff that sticks out to you. Iconic scenes. What are the most iconic scenes personally to you? And, you know, why don't you head give a reason? Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's not something personal. But uh, that's the question of the week. Um, actually, let's hop into the update. Okay, guys, let's hop into the update. 
We have a bunch from the uh, Dread Central Presents. We have Sleigh Bells. They had a sale on Black Friday, 50% off. This looked fun. I actually uh, went to watch the trailer on this, and I saw the wrong Sleigh Bells, and I was like, man, I ain't buying that. And I went back and like, oh, I found the wrong, because I saw that it starred like, Barry Boswick, I think, in here. So then I went back and watched the correct uh, trailer, and I was like, oh, that looks pretty fun, actually. So, Sleigh Bells. Uh, Lasso. Not seen this. Uh, I guess this is Cowboy Western Horror. Uh, some city folk get killed by cowboys at a, a rodeo. I don't know. Looks fun. Looks cool. Heard it's pretty gory. We have The Monster Project. I think this comes with the bonus film as well. Uh, what's the other one on here? Yeah, uh, Screamers. So, yeah. The price I could not pass up. It was 50% off. Great price. We have Lodgers. Not seen that. Two disc, I think it is. Sorry for the glare. Director's Cut. This is by Penn Gillette uh, from Penn and Teller. Directed movie. This is supposed to be weird and crazy. Different. So, check that out. We have um, Extremity. Uh, I did I, from the concept of this, like I was reading the plot, I was like, ah, it doesn't sound good. I watched the trailer, I was like, that looks awesome. So I had to see it. It looked like it had a lot of cool colors and everything. So these are all like 10 bucks a piece, so I couldn't pass it up. Then we have Zombieology or Zombiology or whatever. Uh, not seen this. Um, looks interesting. And also, uh, uh, what is it? Vidar the Vampire. Vidar the Vampire, Vidar. So yeah, that's another double feature. And then last is Nina Forever. Um, which I have seen and I thought was okay. And it comes with, what is it, uh, Imitation Girl, which I'm more interested in seeing because I like the actress in that one. So, yeah, that's the uh, De Dread, present, uh, Dread Central Presents uh, line. Um, then we have some from uh, Vinegar Syndrome. We have Cutting Class. Uh, yeah, with, uh, who is it, uh, Brad Pitt. There we go. Roddy McDowell's in this, too. You know, I haven't seen this in a very long time. So I'm I'm sure Vinegar Syndrome cleaned this one up nice. And we have all the slipcovers. Now you people love slipcovers, right? Let me show the back of the first one, sorry. You kids like slipcovers? Uh, slipcover crazy, right? I, I, when they showed that, I thought it was Cannibal Apocalypse. I was like, oh, they got a Cannibal Apocalypse, and it wasn't. Bomb me out. Because I'd much rather have Cannibal Apocalypse than cut it glass. But hey, I'm not complaining too much. Those are all the slipcovers. Pretty crazy. Then we have uh, Beware the Brethren. Let me open this one up for you. Gotta love Scream Factory, what they're doing. I meant Scream Factory. Vinegar Syndrome, what they're doing. Geez, sorry. That's a big confusion right there. But uh, Sudden Fury, love Vinegar Syndrome. Lots of cool stuff. Got lots of cool stuff coming out. Can't wait to get their January package. It's got the Uninvited in it, guys. The Uninvited. The, the Poisonous Killer Cat movie. And uh, The Children is the last from Vinegar Syndrome. Cool stuff. Trauma movie. Uh, trauma distributed. I've always wanted to check this one out. So, yeah. And then we have some DVDs to show you. I'll try to make this quick. We have The Nobodies. From Trauma. Of course. We have uh, Happy Log, which I got from Tempe. Dirt cheap. Shock Cinema. Four hours on two disc. 
And then we have all these Tempe discs, which I don't really want to go through. But I got, um, obviously, a bunch for the Patreon people. And, uh, well, I got some for the Patreon pe patrons and whatnot. So in the upcoming contest, you'll see. But you see, they, it's like dollar discs. They send the sleeves and everything. But So if you're interested. And all the little inserts and everything. Polymorph. I know there's a glare there. Sorry, guys. But you get the point. We have all these. And I also got a Basics How-To Halloween Makeup for myself. And an October Sun 2. So, yep. And we got this really cool comic book. A Robot Ninja comic book, guys. Cool stuff, right? So, uh, visit the Tempe site because they're closing at the end of the year. RIP. A uh, big part of my childhood. So, uh, thank you, Tempe. And uh, thank you guys for watching. Back to the video. Okay, the next segment, since we didn't, I don't have any new uh, Patreon shout-outs, um, but uh, if you guys do want to be a patron, there's a couple more spots for the Pick a Movie, so you can do that um, if you want to pick a movie for me to review every week. You don't have to stay a patron. Maybe you just want to do it for a month to get me to review one movie. You can drop out after your payment goes through. I'll review it. It doesn't matter. But uh, I got something for you guys uh, for the new contest. Um, and this is for anybody that donates to the month of December. All the other Patreons are still there. But um, Tempe had this uh, dollar disc deal going on. And uh, what I wanted to do was uh, dollar disc. I'm going to get some cases for you guys. But um, two people, two of the patrons are going to get four movies. They're going to get a copy of, uh, i got to take all these out. They're going to get a copy of Bloodletting, uh, Ozone, Sandman, and Polymorph. Four Tempe movies, all actually done in a shot on video. But uh, here are the covers and everything like that. I will put them in for you guys but yeah polymorph and all those things like that so yeah you guys will get that so it'll be one uh two people from the patron uh patreon will get uh for a copy of four movies whether you know you'll get bloodletting which is one of my favorite shot and video movies ozone salmon and polymorph so uh if you guys want to enter go ahead but uh thank you very much guys for watching and as always you guys have a good one eh!